Well, hello and welcome back. It's time for another Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd and I'm so excited for today's topic because it's part two, deuce. Dose? Deuce, dose. Yeah, one of it's number two. It's routed optical networking, which we had talked about in a previous episode, but please do not worry if you happen to miss that one because we're gonna we're gonna cover the basics that you need to understand, and then we're gonna move on to some new things that Worldwide Technology has been creating uh, that you're gonna love. If there's any chance at all that you agree that this is something you need to be on top of, Worldwide Technology has the resources available for you. So Tech 37, your resource for technology, education, and collaboration. Let's go ahead and get started, shall we? Oh, wow, I, I, I went right in and bypassed, guys. Hi, hold on one second, because I gotta do this officially, otherwise we, I don't, I don't get paid. Hold on one second. All right, why can't we, we don't have to do like these that. things in order. I mean, that's such a, that's such an old, yeah. old, old fashioned way of doing things. Cause this show's about doing new things. Mike and John, I'm so excited to be back with okay. you. A couple hey, of thanks. Cisco veterans. Wrong? Yeah. Glad to see, glad to be back, Rob. Thanks. I always have to study hard when I work with you guys. Um, cause it's, it's good stuff. And this routed optical networks has continued to gain, uh, gain, gain steam. I don't know why I'm not confident in my wording choices today, but let's make sure everybody knows who you are. gets a chance to meet you in case they haven't. Mike, why don't you uh, start off for us? Who are you? What do you do for worldwide? Sure, Rob. I'm a technical solutions architect. I uh, focus on MPLS and segment routing. I've been with Worldwide Technologies about three and a half years now. And I spent 14 years with Cisco and service provider environments and been involved with segment routing all the way back since 2013-14 with the author. Yeah, Cisco. with Clarence, because I got the chance with to Clarence, meet Clarence yeah. on a show I did a long yeah, time I ago. Helped, and I'm like, helped work on a couple of his books, too, with the editing pieces. of Brilliant. Another yeah. One. yeah, he's a brilliant individual. And brilliant people surround themselves with smart people, and that's that's why you're here. I like that. Uh, John, I, I just think of you as the optical expert, but how, how would you describe what you do for, for worldwide technologies? What's a, what's a role you're playing for us today? Yeah, you know, same as Mike. I'm a technical solutions architect. Um, focus on optical, but definitely um, definitely involved with the what we're going to talk about today, routing, routing and optical coming together. You know, um, over, I don't know, maybe 20 years in the business, I've... I've learned and forgotten routing because yeah. sometimes, you know, just an optical world, right? It comes and goes. But now, yeah, focus on optical and making this uh, convergence piece come together. Well, let's get right into it because I know that's what you've really been focused on a lot lately. In fact, I believe some of the documentation that you've been sweating over has just gone live. And you guys both... Um, what I love about this pairing is because you do have a lot of overlapping knowledge that we could get into, but really talking about how uh, how these things come together in this convergence that we're speaking of. And so, John, let's just start with kind of the basics, since I did tell everybody that that they didn't have to have watched the previous show. Let's just make sure we're all on the same page. What? Uh, so we, we call it RON because we have to yeah. take advantage of the good acronyms when we can, but Routed Optical <laughs> Networking. Yeah. What is it? What, what is that all about? How do you describe it? Yeah, so so that acronym is the biggest innovation since the last show. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, since then, yeah, it's, it, we it, it, this name has been, you know, created right optical networks. And so essentially, what it what's happening is we have layer one, which is the optical network, and um, layer three, which is the router network, right? Self-explanatory, but collapsing a large portion of the optical network into the routing routed network. Um, but you know, for you, you know, a couple of things enabling that smaller optics, um, faster processing speeds on the okay. routers. You know, it's kind of a 
I want to make sure I understand the difference here on that real quick. So before we get into like the components that are coming coming together, is, is how has this traditionally been done? So I, I think of, right. in a really loose fashion, optical is just a completely different set of technologies that then are going to interface mm-hmm. where they need to. And that's part of what's changing here, right? So how, how do you describe kind yeah. of the before and after? Yeah, and, and it's even today, right? I mean, optical networks are prevalent. They're not going away by any means. Um, but there, there's definitely this collapse happening. But so how, yeah, how it works is there's an optical layer and it provides high bandwidth connections between locations and ultimately between routers. And, you know, when Mike and I started working together, you know, I, I said to him like, hey, you know, we have to take into consideration bandwidth between sites. And he's like, well, I don't know. I just call the layer one guys and say, I need more bandwidth. I don't even really know what goes on there. And yeah. so that really started an interesting conversation. Um, because that's essentially how it works. The the, the optical team or, or the transport team gets, you know, request from the higher stacks in the network and say, hey, I expand with from here to there and hand that over to me. And it's essentially um, an Ethernet connection, layer one connection. And the, um, from there, there's connectivity. And the router team does their thing and the optical team does their thing and the optical team manages their network and the router team manages their network. And that's kind of how it goes today. Well, so you kind of started mentioning there how some things have have begun changing so that we could do this convergence because there were reasons why it hasn't been done historically. It was just not uh, feasible. Uh, Normally, I I also think about, you know, if you look in in the data center or uh, in these points where the optical network could always stick out, you'd know where it was located and then you'd see something separate for the routing. Uh, And there were hoops that you'd jump through from an optical perspective to make sure that it was uh, uh, always available and that it could do what you wanted it to do. And you tried to keep that as simple as you possibly could most of the time, but there's been changes on the routing side as well. Mike, I'm, I'm just kind of curious if you could summarize for us, what is, what has changed from, from your perspective in routing to suddenly accompany something that was always distinctly separate like this? Well, I, I think a number of things have changed. Uh, first of all, we're looking at much faster feeds and speeds, you know, bandwidth interfaces are easily approaching hundred and now 400 gig. And that's just because the ability of the router to process a much fast a packets at a much faster rate. Okay, right? So they're much more powerful. Most, yeah. most routers in the past, if you go back like 15, 20 years, were all software-based routers. Now everything's done in ASIC and silicon. So with the really micron-size silicon, high-density silicon, we're able to basically build routers that can have 148 gig ports with a single system on a chip. That's amazing. You know, which is yeah. It is amazing when you think about the amount of bandwidth and traffic that can flow through a single chip on a router, and that's all it is. It's just a single chip doing all this. Uh, a lot of things have changed from a standpoint um, where we now have the price point has dropped dramatically with the merchant silicon, and all the vendors are adopting it, including Cisco. Uh, and okay. that actually brings the price down quite a bit on a lot of these products, too. It does sometimes come short with some of the features compared to some of the custom ASICs that you'll buy from Cisco. Uh, but most of the features are there given the, the scenario or what you're trying to do. And that's what you have to make a determination, right? You know, yeah. but all in all, you're looking at a, a single stage forwarding, which means everything's being done at one stage in the router, which means things are passing through the router. Four to five microseconds delay is all you're talking about for a delay through a router. I think that makes a big difference when people are looking at these high bandwidth speeds and feeds. Maybe not really why we, we can do what we're doing today, but I think it's really important to point out that, you may that not a single right? router, yeah. 
Yeah, a single router is only equivalent to about one kilometer uh, of distance. So now all of a sudden, the hop and the router, you can add, the point is you can add extra router hops without yeah. making a big deal. Which so, is huge, right? This changes the whole design yeah. uh, aspects of this, right? John, what are you going to say there? Yeah. Yeah, you know, one primary function of the optical network is say you have to get past a site to reach your ultimate destination. We would do that at the photonic layer, you know, an optical signal passes through. Right. In the router optical network, all the optical signals terminate at every router. So now if you need to get to another hop, we need to bypass a router, we do it at the, at the packet level. And like Mike was saying, now that switching speed is so much faster, it's more realistic. Yeah, because historically, wouldn't you have been surprised to say, I'll never, we're not going to ever terminate in the router. That's just death for my signal, right? Because you're, and death so everything the, you did was engineered to bypass that and not have to do any more yeah. stops than necessary, right? Right, and, and exorbitant, exorbitant cost. Yeah. Space and power, like you know, this, you know, all right. So ultimately what we're doing is we're moving the optical transponder, the thing that creates a particular wavelength for say 400 gig of traffic. And we're moving that piece into the router. It, it used to be a big line card that sat in an optical chassis. Now mm -hmm. it's the size of a pluggable optic that sits in the router. And that's really the key to the router optical network because uh, 15 years ago, we tried doing it on the CRS-1, but it was this gigantic card that took tons of power. It just, it wasn't practical, but now yeah. because of the size and um, power, and price it's it's um well it's interesting because you, know, you say price mike said price and that's that's a key <laughs> point for adoption though right so there's capability yeah. is one thing because things are sometimes capable for years before we ever figure out what's the right combination to get the price point to make it something you would actually adopt and deploy in production and we're there now can we be up front up front too the, the, is this really something that cisco's driving is that is that a correct statement this has been a cisco yeah, push that was, yeah, they're absolutely the driving force behind it, um, especially on the optic side, you know, recent acquisition of Acacia that that builds mm -hmm. these type of DWM transceivers, um, a massive investment there. And just, you know, uh, a sincere faith in the routing platforms to be able to assume the uh, functions, the primary functions of the optical network. Yeah. And, and you're talking pluggable optics now. So these are 400 gig what is it? ZR. I wrote this down because I always get this. ZR, ZR plus. ZR, Co and it's coherent ZR, ZR optics plus. is the is the technology. Yeah. Do you mind? I hate to put you on the spot for this one because I don't know how you simplify yeah, yeah. it. But can you explain what coherent optics are? Why that's been kind of a cool buzzword yeah. lately? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, coherent optics have been around for quite a while. Probably maybe 10 years. Massive adoption, maybe, you know, eight years ago. But essentially coherent uh, optics is what enables these high, ba high bandwidths of 400 gig and beyond, um, it allows um, particular modulation where, you know, say you have like, you have a wave and it, it's a carrier signal. So you have a, a vertical wave, but now you have a horizontal wave. So basically you have, you have two, and this is very- I know you're trying, you're doing everything. I feel yeah, you, you're trying to dumb it down now, for me. I appreciate it. Essentially two dimensions, right, to carry this um, information. So it's just, it, it's it's a modulation mechanism that enables yeah. this high bandwidth. And with it, and it uses digital signal processing. And that's the big piece of, this, of the pluggable it's optics. It's got DSPs on both sides, yeah. Yeah, so the okay. DSP used to have to sit on a host board. And then you put your pluggable in and the pluggable communicates to the host. And so you needed a chassis you need, or a line card to do it. But 
they were able to shrink that DSP down to fit on a pluggable optic. That's amazing. So now it's all within that pluggable optic, and you just plug it in. You don't need the host. You don't need anything. And, it's and so called Mike, DCO. Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Mike, you were mentioning as much as a 48-port kind of density at 400 gig per port. Did I get that right? Um, no, no, 100 gig per port. I mean, uh, you have to look port. at some of the newer products. I'd have to look at some of the Cisco 8000s with the density. The point is, though, yeah. is that the microsilicon has created the system-on-the-chip technology, which allows yeah. you to do all of this bandwidth, you know, these terabyte worth of bandwidth on a single single chip. And that's amazing. What we're talking about, too, is you, you, when the cost, you're also at total cost. So we're talking about when we converge these things, it's a significant change in operations and capabilities, but it's also a drop in everything from cooling costs and the, the, the electrical load and such like this gets reduced because you have less components, as I understand it, and you have um, uh, more happening in a smaller space with just better heat uh, generation, or is that... Yeah, no, I mean, you just yeah, just right. look at what Apple did recently, right? That's yeah. one of the reasons they're building their own chips because they're getting a lot less heat dissipated from these devices. Well, and Cisco's huge. yeah, so Cisco's in a unique place to be able to combine some things that I think other vendors don't always have the ability to do. But this is not proprietary to Cisco, correct? This is uh, as we move forward, um, it's not proprietary. But I'm also curious. Another thing that Cisco has pioneered and that you mentioned in your open mic about segment routing, just to seal this off. How important is segment routing to this type of convergence? Is that a key part of it? Well, one of the things that segment routing does is uh, it it offers something called fast reroute in the form of topology independent LFA loop free alternate. So that basically allows you to converge around a failure in less than 50 milliseconds. And you can do that in any topology and the routers do it all automatically for you. So with a, okay. with like and one Mike, or two command key, lines. Right? Yeah. You wouldn't yeah. do it, John, if you couldn't do it in the under 50, right? You relied say, on this optimal environments to okay. do that yeah. in the past, right? Yeah. yeah. You relied right. on optimal environments. Now you build your environment you build it multi-path, you build it with redundancy, and you let the routers figure it out for you. And the operator doesn't have to be involved in all, at I all. Like the sound of that. And there's really okay. no design involved. The only design involved is making sure you don't uh, skimp on circuits and redundancy. As long as you provide yeah. the redundancy in the network, the router will figure out the failover path. And the nice thing is during that fail – so we had, we've had fast reroute for a long time. Mm -hmm. in the form of uh, RSVPTE, extremely complicated, complicated to implement. Uh, people didn't want to implement RSVPTE just to do fast reroute. And then you had to do capacity planning because the post-convergence oh. path, which yeah. is the path after the failure occurs and the routing protocol calculates the new path, that's the post-convergent path. That was never the path that TE RSVP fast reroute used. It always used some intermediate path. So you had to do capacity planning on your links to accommodate the fact that now you have a failure and one link might be totally overwhelmed with bandwidth for a three or four second period of time while the network converges. That's no longer the case. SR eliminates the, the need for that. Path, okay. Yeah, the post-convergence path is the fast reroute path always with TILFA. Yeah. And it's easy to implement and it's incrementally deployed. So you can just deploy it in your network one router at a time. You don't have to do it in every router. That's yeah, key. I, I remember the first time I looked at segment routing, um, and granted, I'm not an engineer like you guys, but I just remember thinking, this just seems logical. And it had me rethinking the stuff I'd tried to learn before 
because it just made a ton of sense and it uh, and it left you in much more control than uh, than than kind of the women mercy of how the network was deciding where things were going to go at that moment, which could always, of course, shift on you. But I, I want to move on and make sure we don't miss this because the whole purpose of having this was so that's a little bit of background. We'll continue to fill in more if I've missed some things. I'm sure I have. Um, but John, you and Mike, you guys have been working to create this this lab. So you've got Worldwide Technologies has the famed uh, Advanced Technology Center that we we brag about in every show because uh, I've had a chance to, to go there and I'm just amazed at how much you guys can do remotely. But part of your continued expansion of the services and the different interaction you provide for, for customers, tell us about the lab that you've been creating, John. What, what is it that, uh, where did you think was needed and kind of what have you done to start executing on that? Yeah, the idea was to, um, help people who don't have experience with routing or have lived in the optical world for a really long time um, see how it actually works. How do we do it, right? There's, I mean, there's three, three key pieces that the optical network does that we are having the router now assume. And it's like we just discussed path protection, sub 50 millisecond path protection, mm -hmm. how you provision the circuit, and um, what was the third one? Oh yeah, pass through traffic. How do you manage protecting pass pass through traffic delivering connectivity is what I had in my notes. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. That article in that article, Mike and I wrote, we kind of broke it out, you know, and explained those three things. So essentially, we said, well, hey, we wrote about it. Well, let's show it. <laughs> um, you know, and and look, I, I spent twenty years, yeah, fifteen twenty years focused on optical, and so I know what if what it might feel like for those who spent that time in that world and said, well, wait a minute, now I'm going to do this all on routers and it's all CLI and I just kind of, we, we want to just kind of like break down that um, anxiety and say, hey, yeah. look, it's, 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 it's manageable, <laughs> you know? And so, so we stepped through it like, hey, this is what it looks like. Just this is demystify how you it. Yeah, demystify it, yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you use the word anxiety, which is, because I can't, how much does this come up? It feels like in so many technology conversations these days, because it feels like most advances in technology are always at least feeling like they're infringing on somebody's uh, career of expertise in a certain area. And we're, we, of course, uh, find it's valuable because we've also made investments in our careers around these technologies. And we're, you want to put your mind at ease that, you know, these forward advancements are not at the expense of knowledge and certainly still need the knowledge. I, I was reaching for a dad joke on focused optical when you said that. I couldn't think of a good one. So I'm just going to just repeat it like that. But, um, yeah, it, it, so this is ang it, it, it can be it can be anxiety reducing, and, and specifically, you first have kind of said uh, how can optic people with optical expertise kind of translate their expertise into understanding where they're going to work with routing people because you are kind of talking about an organizational change in, in many situations here. Yeah, yeah, and look, re the reality is DWDM and optical network is not going away. This isn't going to replace it. There, there's so many cases where you do need you know, what we call Rotom systems. If it's a long haul system, if there's, mm. if there's massive path through at a certain site, it's not going anywhere, but routing is definitely moving into the optical space. And so it's somewhat, yeah, maybe it's a bit intense to say, but imperative yeah. for those who are not familiar with it to become familiar with it. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I came from Cisco, but I was really fortunate when I joined WWT because I work with people like Mike and he's honestly, he's kind of, he's been like my, my mentor in routing. And we have this like symbiotic relationship where we, we, we build these labs, we write these articles, and um, it, it gives it from both perspectives. So I feel, you know, uh, someone who's not familiar, I, I, you know, we named, we titled the lab um, Routing for Optical Engineers, and I kind of lament that name a little bit. 
Um, you feel it does, it, does for, it portray too one-sided, you think, as to more than yeah, what yeah. it actually accomplishes? Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's not just for optical engineers, but I know when we set out on it, we, we went with that vision. Well, this is what an optical network looks like. Let's make let's reproduce that in the routing world. Yeah. But it's for everyone who wants to see how this thing works. Mike? Yeah, if I could interject. Yeah, Please. the lab is written from the focus of someone who comes from an optical background. But the lab goes into routing and MPLS with segment routing, and there's plenty of people who don't have exposure to that. But the one thing to tout the lab, I think that's different than the other collateral and labs we've worked on, is this lab, I would almost call it a training. Because okay. we walk, we assumed nothing. We assumed the Some of my favorite kind nothing. of labs. Yeah. Which means it took a lot more time. And we yeah. had it comb through it over we went through this so many times to make sure this was presented in such a fashion that you could walk through this know nothing about the technology and do the lab and that is not the way the labs at wwt or cisco has are focused they're usually focused with a certain premise and a knowledge base like hey you have a good understanding of iss we went through and showed the user how to configure the interfaces and what the different commands are even go down to cdp for for discovering the interfaces at layer two and putting the ip addressing scheme on there configuring the routing protocol configuring segment routing with mpls configuring layer three vpn services configuring layer two vpn services and also going through fast reroute we went through all of that step by step yeah, that's not simple because when you say it's it for anybody, then the, the idea is they can follow along, enter into this, don't have to pre-study or get certified in something before they want to attack this. Go ahead, John. Yeah, and, and, and you know, one thing to mention is that we we did this all with CLI, command line, right? Uh -huh. But there are GUIs. You can yeah. do this with some of it with a GUI, not the initial configurations. Mike was talking about the, the routing protocol, but the services side of it. I yeah. need bandwidth from here to there. But we didn't want to do that. We want to say, hey, we want to just, here are the mechanics underneath. So when you are working with a GUI, you kind of know if something goes wrong, oh, that's what's happening I think there. that's, I think it needs you know? to be that way because I always worry, um, you know, with this, the, the, with GUIs, and my fear is always that there's, there's important things happening behind the scenes that I'm fine with in the long run after I'm maybe just bored with the technology and I want to minimize mistakes and I like automation for all those reasons. But at first... Uh, I think the responsible thing to do is to make sure you understand, you know, uh, yeah. what things are being tweaked. Otherwise, you're not going to dig yourself out of a hole when you start getting uh, unpredictable GUI, reactions. GUIs fall short. Yeah. When yeah. things break, GUIs fall short. And there's no replacement for knowledge and intuition when you're troubleshooting a network. And you need to understand how things work. And a lot of times the GUI glazes over that. And when you're configuring something, you're going to find your at a CLI, you're going to find yourself asking questions and exploring ideas and how the technology works at a much deeper level than you ever will with a GUI. Yeah. And if you were to take a survey, I think, of engineers out there, most of your experienced engineers, more than 90% would probably say, give me the CLI. Even if the GUI slick, they're going to say, give me the CLI. Because you know something? Once I've done it in the CLI, I can cut and paste it and put it in a box quicker than the GUI can at yeah. the time. Well, now to argue with myself, uh, because I think, John, you bring up the GUI part because of the mm -hmm. fact that I think having GUIs is also somewhat of a signal that this is not necessarily a bleeding edge technology that you, anyone is being asked to kind of go out on a limb for. I think once you start getting GUIs and, and such like this, there's there is some there's a, a representation that things are solidified because this is not 
brand new. Cisco's been working on this for a while. Yeah. There are some deployments. I mean, is, is it considered mature and safe, you know, the things that oh, people yeah. might care about? Yeah. Well, let's see. Let I me mean, mention one thing. Yeah, hey, one thing we, sorry, Mike. That we no, love it. didn't mention earlier is that one of the other benefits of a router optical network is you're, you're also collapsing um, platforms because yeah. the optical network has its own platform. It yeah. has its own operating system, it, right? It has everything. It, routing has its thing, but the routing world is more uh, common, if you will, XR, right? You know, XR yeah. is, ev is everywhere. So now the optical devices that you would use, like for example, in a router optical network, you might have an amplifier, very simple amplifier that runs XR, right? Uh -huh. The routers run okay. XR. Now we're at a common um, operating system. So it makes automation so much easier. It makes developing GUIs so much easier. It, it just provides this common platform. So that's huge. Yeah. Well, and, and there's so much, uh, of course, XR has been around a while. I, what is it? Version yeah. 7? Yeah. So back, yeah, to regular, seven, seven, yeah. back to your original question, Rob. Yes. XR is, is, is baked. And, you I know, forgot Mike what the question can, was. You know, yeah, elaborate on that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You, you were wondering. Bait. You yeah. were wondering if the technology no. was baked. You know, yeah. is it? You know, is this cutting edge? Where? Yeah. Oh, I don't know about this, but no. And, and okay, Mike, and again, yeah, and Mike. What elaborate. would you say about XR? I mean, what's? I, I, no one well, loves all of Cisco's uh, operating systems, but this one, this is this has uh, been continued to be tweaked for quite a while. A lot of investment. Yeah. Yeah. So XR originally came out in early 2000s on the CRS platform, and then it's evolved over a number of different platforms, and it's getting more and more pervasive. And it's evolved from 32-bit OS to a 64-bit OS to a virtualized on the router, you know, OS where it's virtualized running in VMs and even containers based upon which version you're running and which platform you're running on. And even some of the newer XR, which has even taken that even a little bit further without going into more detail. But uh, XR has been around a long time. It's got some really cool features. It makes things, put it this way, once an organization starts using XR, they don't want to go back to iOS to the point oh, where large yeah. organizations Cisco's even push Cisco yeah. to release some of the platforms like the NCS 540s and 560s and in, in XR based instead of using an ASR 900 because people don't want to go back to iOS because XR has so many advantages and there's no denying that. And it is definitely a more, it's, I would like compare it to like the pre, uh, not as drastic iOS is that way, but preemptive multitasking, you know, where you had the old cooperative multitasking in windows and then it went to preemptive in windows above 95 and it was a world of a difference on how it functioned yeah. and the ability to do that means you're not going to crash this box because a process crashed. Yeah. Well, they're very independent crash processes, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because yeah, iOS, wasn't iOS was kind of monolithic. You had to change the whole thing and yeah, yeah, exactly. Know, reboot and the whole Plus, thing. it was yeah. it was what I would call runtime operating system. This is a file-based operating oh, system, so your ability yeah. to log and capture all this data is much. And one last thing, segment routing's been around since 2013, so yeah, there's hundreds of deployments out there. So, yeah, so it's it's very prevalent now. But the reason why time. I brought up the XR that I think is interesting is because even if say I'm not uh, an engineer who's that familiar with XR and I'm listening to you guys like XR, another couple of acronyms, um, 
the I always look for in in other parts of my technical life, you know, hobbies and such like this. I tend to gravitate towards platforms um, that can do the job when there's competition, but I like the ones that are filled with experts that have already been down the road before. And so it's easy to throw out broad questions when you're in situations like that because there's a lot of people with XR experience that have that have already, you know, uh, maybe resolved something that you're facing. And so I think there's something to that level of maturity as well in terms of the distribution in the market. But it's getting beyond Cisco. It's just Cisco is the one that's in a good place to really push this technology, it feels like. Fair enough. Yeah, no, I, okay. I would agree. I think Mike, right? I mean, I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, they, statement. You know, I, didn't, I didn't leave you much of a question there. Yeah, yeah, go no, ahead. No, yeah. no, it does because honestly, Cisco's acquisitions has put them in a position where they can build everything. Yeah, and they can sell you the product with the optics and the product. Well, they're engineering it together, and I think that's probably as I've studied this, it's it's. It's these boundaries that you have to play with um, when you're talking about things that are developed by individual manufacturers always kind of have to be accounted for. So you're handing off at known interface points with known standards. Yeah. And it's not that you're getting beyond standards, but it's the fact that when you have all that expertise in-house, you have the ability to say, well, what if the memory moved from here to there? And what if we did this and that because they could experiment and iterate on that before they roll something out and maybe get a get a leapfrog on somebody else? Doesn't mean it'll always hey, that, you know, that just made me think of another interesting point. This yeah. enables um, multi-vendor interoperability much more because, and Mike has a lab about this, you can have multi-vendor um, SRM PLS environments. Um, and that's so, it, yeah, no, that's there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things at play here, right? That, you know, a lot of customers want that. They want multi-vendor environments. Even yeah, this, this, yeah, this is all standards-based. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, good. I'm glad you brought and that no up because I don't want to give the opinion that just because Cisco's driving something means that it's somehow proprietary. Because as you're, as you're saying, in, in all the ones that we've mentioned, it's not. It's just that they're a driver because they've got obvious interests and, and some capabilities that are worth looking at. Yeah. Right. Cisco has the research yeah. funding and no one's going to deny that Cisco leads the market. I mean, Cisco invented MPLS. Everybody followed. They <laughs> yeah. invented segment routing and everybody followed. And yeah. it's just a matter of time before it's pervasive. Well, yeah. let me ask you this, John, before we go to, because one of the things I want to end up with is I want to go through, you guys have provided the obvious resource, which is the lab that's just now rolling out to to make this simple, demystify, as you said, uh, for everyone. But you guys have, have written about this for a good year, year and a half, uh, multiple papers. Mike, you did some wonderful uh, training around segment routing with a sequence of videos that I highly recommend. All these things are linked in the uh, uh, in the place where we're playing the show here on the platform, www.t.com. Uh, and so, you know, after you finish the video, you can click on those things and take a look around. Uh, but I, one kind of um, uh, aspect of, of how this rolls out, John, what's the, is this something that someone should be really looking for in greenfield environments when they're doing something new? Is that probably the best place to perhaps focus uh, efforts? You know, because they've got something that's working yeah, now. You don't want to initially throw that out, right? It is a really good point. Um, ideally, you know, greenfield is ideal for a couple different reasons. Some, you know, th there, there could be challenges making this work with an existing optical subsystem. Not saying it wouldn't. It absolutely can. But we, we planned traffic differently mm. 10 years ago because we had optical pass through. We had different things to consider, right? But now you, you kind of have to rethink how you plan the network. Um, but though Greenfield's ideal, there's absolutely 
there's plenty of room for it to integrate into your into your existing network. Gotcha. So there's there's the ability to, to migrate over, but adding new sites. I mean, it yeah. is theoretically it's possible you could have this could be a new extension of the network. Um, Absolutely. Think about right. If you have an existing network, right? You and you, yeah, you want to expand to a couple of new locations. Now you just have you do you have your existing network on one side, and then you start with a router connected out to your RON network. And forgive me for asking fine. this because I don't know where you're going to go with the answer, which is, means that's a bad host thing to do. But what no. about <laughs> distance limitations with with these with these type of optics? If you're switching to this, do you have to be more conscious of how far you can send that light? Uh, perhaps than before, or is it not? You issue? do, okay. um, but it has the same performance um, as any other, uh, say, a, a standard um, optical system, a line card in an optical box um, from how far you can go. But uh, how do I put this um, before the signal you know, fails? But the, one challenge is the, the, the puzzle itself has a, okay. yeah, it has a lower output power than a typical transponder. So that sometimes is limiting. We, you know, you have to like, you know, you need enough power to get to the other side, right? Yeah. So if this had, if this leaves at, you know, a lower power, right, you, you can't go as far. So there's, there's, there's ways being developed is basically essentially raise that power um, coming out of the plug before mm -hmm. it hits the main line system. So that's in the works. It's, it's people are considering it, but that's why yeah. I said earlier, the classic um, optical system isn't going isn't going to go away. When you have right. long haul systems, you know, going across the country, you know, we don't have enough time to go into it. But there's technical reasons why you need um, a traditional optical network. Well, and I think that obviously, I think one takeaway is obviously uh, copper is not going to suddenly make a make a run for it and and put uh, optical in danger of losing its uh, its lead. Um, so this, this fiber in the ground is still the same fiber that you're lighting. You're just doing uh -huh. it with different, uh, uh, triggers on either end. Uh, I encourage everyone to take a closer look at these resources that, uh, that you guys have. I've added some up here. This is the lab itself. You guys just released the, uh, the documentation for this. Um, but you've also got the segment routing lab, which is a good one. I think that one's been out a while, Mike, hasn't it? Yeah, that one's been out almost three years now. Yeah. There, there, there's a there's an interop lab which does Cisco and Juniper interop lab. There's also a, a lab on uh, what we call Cisco Metro Fabric, which was which does the SRPCE controller controlling the, the path for traffic engineering. And there's also a Flex Algo lab, which is a form of traffic engineering, which allows you to now go beyond the standard bandwidth, you know, lowest cost or best bandwidth path, and now build delay-based path through the network dynamically and let the routers do all that for you. So now you have more choices. You know, don't just, we always just chose the high bandwidth path. Now there's traffic yeah. that's real-time traffic, voice traffic, video traffic, you know something, it might want the low delay path, which might make a difference of, 10 milliseconds different and that choices. Be all the difference in the world. Yeah. Different well, choices. You guys are kind basically. of the dynamic duo with, uh, you've been producing papers <laughs> together, creating videos. I've never met with you individually. I assume you exist separate. Actually, you're on opposite ends of the country even, aren't you? We I'll are. take the Batman logo. John can take Robin. Okay. <laughs> all right. I'll let you all argue <laughs> on who's going to be I'm what. But... Yeah, I'm no, please. Carolina, but we're both from New Jersey. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Right. So you understand yeah. each other's sentiments. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's right. You know how to work with each both other. Both Italians um, from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Oh. 
Well, uh, I'm good with the Batman or Robin thing. It just depends on if I get to wear the tool belt or not. But because uh, uh, that's the only <laughs> thing I care about is do I get the tools? I like the tools. Well, guys, this is interesting stuff. I, I uh, appreciate the fact that you continue to put the effort into making this more simple to absorb. And I like the fact that also what you're saying here beyond just the lab is I assume that anyone listening to this could reach out to either one of you guys, engage and ask, hey, what's the next step for looking at my fiber distances, for looking at my existing infrastructure, for looking at our plans for a new site and what we want to host there and how we're going to make this change over? This feels like that kind of stuff's really in your wheelhouse. Is that an accurate statement? Absolutely. And it's not just Mike and I. We have multiple people on our team who are optical experts and routing experts. Um, so, yeah, we have we have a large team and all of us are here to help. Absolutely. Excellent. Mike, are you here to help as well? Because John said he is. I just make sure we're <laughs> I'm speaking for you, Mike. If John's going to do it. I'll let him run with it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that might be good. John's, John's got that friendlier first demeanor maybe, and then Mike's going to come in and give you some truth. Yeah. Uh, no, you guys are actually both pretty truthful. Well, that's awesome, guys. Thank you again for part two on uh, Routed Optical Networking, Ron, as we'll now call it. Uh, but again, I encourage everybody to dive into these articles these guys are producing. Get your head wrapped around this stuff. There's, there's just no question that this really is the future of where things are going. We've seen convergence in so many different areas happen to uh, individual standalone technologies for a while. It's always for the better, but there's always a little bit of an adjustment as we adjust to those paradigms and, and uh, new architectures. But it's also new possibilities. And uh, you guys seem well positioned to, uh, to help people take advantage of that. Thank you so much for your time. John, I hope the temperature gets better for you there in Oregon. Um, Thanks. Because here in Texas, I'm like, I thought I could go that way and get cooler, but I'm not so sure anymore. But um, <laughs> either way, I, I hope we get beyond all this stuff. Fantastic information, guys. Keep, keep it up. Uh, and to those yeah, of you watching, right. yeah, we appreciate everybody tuning in to Tech 37. My name is Rob Boyd. That's Mike. That's John. We'll see you on the very next one. Until next time, take care.